I want to personally welcome you out today to a brand new episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. For those of you that are new here, for those of you that are downloading the podcast for the first time, welcome to the show. Hopefully you stick around. My name is Chris Hollifield. I am your host. And today on episode 561, I get to talk to Tina Falk about feng shui. This is an interesting one. I don't think we've talked about feng shui on the podcast. In the in the 10 years of doing this show, uh, this is a first. And today we actually talk about, you know, ways we can implement feng shui in our life. We talk about the school of feng shui and how Tina teaches people uh, the art of it and, and gives them certifications and uh, all of that. Fascinating episode. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. But if this is your first time to the podcast, welcome. Head on over to IamSaltLake.com and check out the entire back episode of podcast. I've been doing this podcast for 10 years now, and I've chatted with a lot of people in the Salt Lake City area. I'm sure there's one or two episodes in there of people that you are just dying to find out their story. So head on over to the website, IamSaltLake.com. I am Salt Lake Community on Facebook. That's our Facebook group where uh, I want you to join. Introduce yourself. Tell us hello and tell us what you love about the podcast. Hey, I'm a real estate agent here in the Salt Lake City area. I've actually just joined the Red Sign team. Super excited about this. So if you're thinking of moving to the area or possibly just moving across town, maybe you have some real estate related questions. I would love to help you out. I'd love to answer those for you. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. My direct line, my cell phone number is 801 244-2908. Say hello. Even if you're not interested in real estate, I love chatting with the listeners of the podcast. So again, my cell phone number, 801-244-2908. Send me a text, say hello. And on that note, let's jump into that conversation with Tina Falk as uh, we talk about feng shui. This is a good one, you guys. Enjoy. Let's get rocking and rolling here. This is going to be fun. So I want okay. to start right at what even got you interested in, in feng shui. Like what, uh, and I, and again, I'm saying that right, right? Feng shui, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Feng shui, you got it. When, when did you become interested in it? Well, you know, it's been a long time that I was interested in it. I started my spiritual journey, gosh, like 1995 and wasn't really thinking about feng shui, but I always knew that my space and how it made me feel and how what it reflected to me was important because life was rough, even as a childhood, mm-hmm. you know, in childhood. So it was, you know, it was like it was on my radar a little bit after we moved to um, the Salt Lake City area in 1995. But at the time, it was like, gosh, I'm going to have to travel to New York or something and pay a lot of money. I've got little kids. This isn't going to work. And in the meantime, I had found some really amazing teachers that would just show up in my life. And I had the opportunity to study under a Buddhist meditation master here in Salt Lake City for four years. And who was that? um, We called him Master Jimmy because we couldn't pronounce his Vietnamese name. Okay. (laughs) He's no longer here or Uh with us. Um, But when when we ended that um, around 1990, no, sorry. 2000. Okay. Um, he left town. He came to our homes and blessed our altars. And there was just kind of like this emptiness. At the time, I was a graphic designer. 
And it was just kind of this emptiness. And I thought, gosh, what could I be doing? Because he even spoke of feng shui and we learned the, the Chinese five elements. And those were healing tools that he taught us to become. Mm-hmm. So I just happened upon this feng shui class um, locally. And this girl kept mentioning her feng shui master. And I asked her about her. And she said, yeah, she's here in Draper. And I'm like, what? Like, that makes no sense to me. This was, this was back in the 90s? It, well, no, this now at this time, it's 2005. So which is, which is still, still a, I mean, mm-hmm. that's 20 years ago almost. Yeah, in 17 Utah, years. <laughs> and Utah used to be a lot more conservative than it is. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. conservative. So the fact that you found this in Utah 17 years ago is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is. And so, of course, I just immediately the next day reached out to, to Mary Shirtliff, who's my feng shui master. And I said, are you teaching? And she said, I do. I have a spot left next week in my intensive training. And I said, great, I want in. And she's like, wait a minute, I don't even know you. <laughs> you know, let's let's get to know each other. So she said, come by the house, pick up my book. And that's kind of when it, when it all began. And it was just really listening and, and paying attention and, and following through on those little, you know, whispers that kind of show up. And letting yourself be guided, because once I sat in Mary's living room, the most phenomenal things started playing out. And she, part of Chinese astrology, which I didn't know at the time, or sorry, uh, feng shui, which I didn't realize at the time, is Chinese astrology. And now, what, was, what do you mean by that? What, like, like, because uh, I thought feng, feng shui was more of like how you set up uh, your house, mm-hmm. your home, furniture, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So what, how is that connected to Chinese astrology? Well, it's deeply connected and it's not very well known here in the Western world. What you're talking about is a more, you know, Westernized version, a new look at feng shui that's, that came about like in the mid 1980s. Mm. And so it is more about intention setting and using crystals or colors or the flow and looking at, you know, how furniture is placed and you know, ceremonies mm-hmm. where cla- classical feng shui, which I'm trained in, is a 4,000 year old system. And it's the umbrella of Chinese astrology. And what Chinese astrology does is it allows me as a teacher or a practitioner to see what your personal feng shui is. So then when I come into your space, your business or your home, any recommendations I make are specific to you or your team or your family or your classroom. So it's a very personalized, individualized thing because there's no cookie cutter energy mm-hmm. and energy is constantly changing and everybody's so different. So it really opened up a world that I didn't even know existed and just was, oh my gosh, I just couldn't get enough of it. So you're, you're this, you said her name was Mary, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, she's Mary. educating you on, on it. You're mm-hmm. learning from her. She's kind of your mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, she, I mean, what kind of stuff was she teaching you? Like what, what was she teaching you so you can then in turn mentor other people or was it more just teaching you how to live a more spiritual life and be a better person? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, that's a, that's such a great question. Really all of that. Okay. I was taking the training to learn to become a certified feng shui practitioner. Okay. So that was so your that, intention to do that. Yeah. Right. To go into people's homes. I've always felt like I wanted to be of service. I had a knack for energy. I was intuitive. 
you know, I just felt like this could be another level for me and could really just make me feel more purposeful. You know, design is one thing, but, you know, doing something at that level. And I wasn't expecting it because it, it really is a lot, kind of like a, a counseling session. Honestly, when you're reviewing somebody's chart or their child's chart that's really struggling or a partnership that's really struggling or communications broken down or somebody's unhealthy or money is is being drained, you're I'm really being called upon when people are going through a crisis or when they're going through a big shift in their life and they're needing somebody that's not going to be judgmental at all, that can walk through their space and hold the light for them mm-hmm. to give them hope, to motivate them, to to be firm and to say, listen, this is where you're at. This is your space reflecting where you're at. And if you want to make a change, we've got to do it in, inside and we've got to do it outside. You know, one of the the greatest stories that Mary taught me, even in that first five days in training with her, which ended up being 10 days, mm-hmm. the class was so eager to keep learning. We just kept meeting and meeting and meeting. And she said, you know, for instance, you know, say you have a drunk uncle and you send him off to rehab after all these years and he goes and he gets help. And 90 days later, you bring him home. You don't put him in the same chair he sat and got drunk in every day with the same view, surrounded by the same stuff. Yeah. You have to change your environment if you're changed. So a lot of times we go on these retreats or we we have a, a great class or we do something and we we wake up a little bit or we expand our awareness and then we come home to the same stuff. And sometimes it's the people, sometimes it's the dishes in the sink, or it's the cat poop where it's not supposed to be. And it, it takes, it shifts us back Yeah. instead of helping us support us where we're going. But there's this huge part that you have to live it and be it yourself. You know, to go back to your question, I learned how to walk and talk my light and my authenticity in living this stuff. It's not just a hobby. It's the way I interpret, it's the lens with which I interpret my relationships or what's happening on the news or in the neighborhood or in my home. So it was a lot of self-work too going through that process. Yeah, I could see, I could really see that now. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to kind of jump ahead just a little bit, just to catch my listeners up. Mm-hmm. What so what do you do now with with feng shui? Um, I don't I don't take new clients um, looking at their homes. I do take new business clients, and I do a lot of Chinese astrology readings a lot, okay. and that's probably my favorite thing to do. Aside from in 2012, Mary retired, and she gifted me her school. Okay, so she passed the torch on to me, and now I teach and train certifying feng shui practitioners really all over the world now thanks to covid and zoom yeah <laughs> you know i can connect to people you know right now i have a, a student in hawaii one in north carolina last last year or the beginning of the year i had a gal in africa one in the uk one in australia so it's really great to be able to build this community where there's other people out there talking about what feng shui really is because we have the general population has kind of a limited perspective on what it is. 
So even if I'm not training, I feel like my job is teaching feng shui no matter what I'm doing, even if it's a chart reading or giving some, you know, consulting on a new property purchase or, you know, whatever. So why, why would somebody want to come to you though for, to, to, for school to learn this? Mm-hmm. I mean, versus, uh, I could probably pop on Amazon or, mm-hmm. I mean, even go to a local bookstore like King's English or something here in Salt Lake and find a book on it and learn mm-hmm. about it. I mean, what would be the benefit of coming to you could, or, or would just anybody come to you? Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, people kind of come to me for two reasons. Okay. One is they want the certification so that they can become a practitioner themselves. Sure. The other is they know that it's going to change, the, you know, what's happening in their own life, you know, what's going on in their house or their business. And so it's kind of just more of a self process that they want to, you know, invest in. Hmm. And what I hear mostly is because there's a few different schools of feng shui is that when people are picking up books or finding different practitioners on YouTube or, or online, there's a sense of confusion. And it is confusing because a couple of the schools, they kind of counteract, contradict one another um, in, in, a, in a surfacey kind of way. But once you understand the schools, you understand what's really going on. So people get confused because it's like, well, this book says this, but this one, I don't get it. And so there's just that, that sense of like, I don't get it. And I think why people choose me, because I am classically trained, as well as trained in the new age feng shui, as well as landform feng shui, which we haven't even talked about, is that they do get that whole comprehensive education, as well as learn to do the Chinese astrology, which helps them take their experience, as well as their clients, to a whole other level. It's just it's such a profound tool that astrology it's just it's just kind of mind blowing the people that i've worked with and how how we're using that tool to assist them it's pretty cool so what what exactly you've mentioned it a couple of times chinese astrology mm-hmm. um what what's the difference between chinese astrology versus just like our astrology here in mm-hmm. the united states yeah, so Western astrology, you know, is related to the the constellations and the planets and the sun and the moon and all of that, where Chinese astrology really doesn't have anything to do with the stars. Okay. Um, which I, I'm not sure why it's called astrology. <laughs> um, and there is a more complex system called the Batsa or the Qimen Jia, but oh. that's a, just a, a really complex system. Um, but I've kind of, you know, deconstructed this old system. I've been known to be the practical psychic. So it's like, I just, it has to be practical. I question everything that I do. I'm a cynic. It's like, should I be teaching this? Does this ring true? Well, hell, it's working for me. You know, look at my family, look at what we're able to do and look at my clients and the success they've had. So there's something to this. So the Chinese astrology is, you know, it's similar where it's based on that moment you take your first breath. You're imprinted with the strengths and the weaknesses of the energy that was present at that moment. And how the Chinese, the ancient Chinese, look at it as the five elements, metal, water, wood, fire, and earth. The zodiac, the Chinese zodiac animals, you know, the ones on the Chinese restaurant placemat. Mm -hmm. Those, those animals are our teachers. They're our spirit guides. 
And each of us have four of those animals in our chart. So there's actually something to be learned about looking at those those animals of, of your birth month or, or whatnot or, or what year you were born. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I just always looked at them. I think I'm a rat or something like that. I can't. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because you have one that rules your emotional body, your connection mm-hmm. to source energy, one that rules your physical body um, and your health, one that rules your your ego and your belief systems and your tribal programming. And you have one that rules your life path and your ability to manifest and connect to other, other people in the world. Wow. And then there's this yin and yang theory that just, you know, creates a whole other layer to all of that. And so it can be like an hour and a half reading on its own that just, you know, I, some of the feedback I get is, you know, like I, I did a reading for a kid up in northern Wyoming. He was a butcher in a market. And I did a reading for him and he's like, I, I'm blown away. This is the first time I've ever been seen. And I can't tell you what this has done for me. And that's the kind of feedback because these animals and the way I describe the elements, thanks to Master Jimmy, I, it's relatable. It resonates with people. And it's not just a reading where you walk away with like, okay, what does that symbol mean? What is conjunct and trine? And, you know, it's really tangible. And, and I give you recommendations on how to balance out your own life how to bring life into an alignment or, hey, I know you want to do this, but this month, the energy is not really supporting you. You're just going to hit walls. So wait until this other month when the energy is there for you. That's when you want to go for it. That's interesting. It is. Maybe we could do a chart for you, a reading for you and then come back and talk about it. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would, (laughs) but I would imagine you would need to do it in person, right? No, actually I don't. Um, I used to do charts in person, Mm -hmm. but now how I do them is because it's, it's easier for me to drop in Mm -hmm. by myself into your energy and not be influenced by you, your body language, interruptions, stories, that kind of thing. And it's just really clear. And then we can follow up. But it's just me. You know, I just hit record on Zoom. Hmm. I share, I send you a a copy of your two-page chart. And I send you a link to the reading. And then we follow up. It's pretty cool. Do you get like just exhausted from absorbing everybody's energy? I mean, because you're probably, I mean, everybody's got some sort of negative energy too, right? Like mm-hmm. whether they admit it or not. So, I mean, you're probably just feeling that, right? You, you, you're absorbing all that. Well, I've, I've gotten better over the years. You've Actually, gotten better. <laughs> feng Shui, I, I, I would say I probably get more exhausted just going out in public, you know, well, sure, um, or yeah, just yeah, getting yeah. in my car, but Honestly, doing feng shui and chart readings, I'm on cloud nine when I'm done. It's so exhilarating. It's so uplifting to me Mm. because I know I'm fulfilling my purpose and I've assisted this person. However, when I did do it in person, yeah, it would get exhausting because a lot of times our time together was soaked up by their, their talking and their wanting to be heard. And it wasn't really, you know, they weren't allowing me to do what they were paying me to do. So yeah, that, that could, could get exhausting, but I'm, I'm more selective, you know, in 
I'm very selective in who I allow in the training. Well, so um, you'll, you'll deny people then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Interesting. But, and, and will you always tell them why you denied it or you, you expect, sorry, not feeling your energy. I just want to extend an invitation to them. Yeah. And I've, you know, I, I kind of phrase it as, you know, we need to kind of like Mary did to me. Hey, wait a minute. I don't know you. We need to get to know each other first to see if we're a fit. Because I want somebody, too, to feel like I'm a fit for them because we're going to spend a lot of hours. It's a 60-hour program, and it's about four and a half months. So we're going to spend a lot of time together. And if you don't like the tone of my voice or how many times we're going to meet, then I'm probably not the teacher for you. And there's been people where I felt like I'm not the teacher for you, and I've let them go and saying, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm the right teacher for you because you're not learning the way I teach. So even though I would extend and do everything that I could for them, sometimes you just have to realize this, this isn't a fit, this isn't working and I'm not, I'm not going to force it. Which is interesting because that tells me that you're in it for the right reasons versus just trying to, you know, acquire a new student to uh, get that paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, what's been like one or two rewarding things for you personally by teaching others about, uh, feng shui? Oh my gosh. There's, I'm sure there's a there's ton some, of things, but just, just some, I mean, is there a couple of things that pop in your mind first or. Well, I just, you know, because of COVID and because, you know, people are, are, are playing it safe just on Sunday, this past Sunday, I had there was 10 of us, a ten, or 10 of my grads, my local grads. We all met in a park on a Sunday morning, potluck. And a lot of them didn't know each other because some of them were new. And we spent over three hours just getting to know each other. And it was so natural. And somebody would start, you know, talking about their kids or their husband. And somebody else would go, well, what animal is in your life path pillar? Or what's your master element? And everybody was just and I just sat there almost silent the whole time, just relishing in these good people that have come into my life and how they've taught me, they've challenged me as a teacher, because I know that they're going to ask me questions that I need to dig deep for or, you know, reach far to to bring them in. But to see their success, and they each use feng shui in different ways. One's a life coach. I've had several realtors go through my program. Interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah, professional organ. I can sell a house like crazy because um, I've had clients over the years that, you know, they've had high-end houses sit, you know, for months over a year, and I can get them sold. And it's it's just a mindset kind of issue, but, you know, there's a little bit of work that needs to be done. Feng Shui is not a quick fix. You have to do your work. You have to to put in the effort. But seeing seeing these students, you know, really show appreciation for the experience and their life changing because of it is probably the biggest reward. When and when they're successful in whatever way success is to them, then I feel successful. I feel like okay, I've gotten them to where they need to be. And because if they're not in, in once in a while, I'll get a student that kind of drifts away and they don't really complete. It's just kind of heartbreaking because, you know, we've put so much time and energy. But then I remind myself, it's OK. They got what they needed. Maybe they'll come back around someday. It's OK. It's OK. 
but I do see something in these people and that's why I invite them into the training. And not all of us are ready to see that in ourselves. And, and, and that's okay. What would you recommend? Like, let's say somebody's listening and mm-hmm. uh, let's give them a little bit of value, a little bit of golden <laughs> nugget here of like, is there like, w- where can somebody start? Obviously come to you, go and come mm-hmm. to your websites, come, you know, hit you up. But like, is there just like one or two little things that somebody can start with their everyday life to either learn more about it or start implementing practices into their mm-hmm. life? Yeah, the first one people don't like, um, but it really is the most practical um, way to to feng shui. And to me, feng shui is just a, a way to interpret the energy. Yeah. It's just putting on a pair of glasses. Sure. Um, declutter, you know, clean up clean up the messes in your life, whether it's, you know, decluttering your social circle um, or the time that you spend on doing whatever you do in life in a day or in a week, declutter your, I'm sitting, you know, in my walk-in closet, my bedroom right now because it's quiet and I've been folding, folding clothes as I'm sitting here, Um, you know, throw things out, create space for your for life to breathe and for new opportunities to come in because if we don't have space for you know for instance i went to one lady's house and she wanted a a husband so bad Hmm. because she's a a flight attendant she travels the world and she wants somebody to go on these adventures with her but her she had a queen-size bed which is sufficient but it was pushed up against the wall and it was boxes just stacked and i said okay we, I said, come over here. We stood out in the hallway and I said, so if you did have a man in your life, how's he supposed to get to his side of the bed? And I ran across her room and I jumped and leaped to his side of the bed. And I'm like, this is, you know, she's laughing. And I'm like, do you see, this is kind of silly. You don't even have a path for him to get to his side of the bed. There's not even a place for him to put his, plug his cell phone in at night or, you know, put a glass of water. So create space for him. And we don't do that. We fill we fill everything up, and we yeah. we're, we're busier. And we gotta, you know. Even I just the other night I'm like, fuck TikTok. I can't do this. It's sucking my brain dry. I just deleted it off that my phone. That app will suck you up and <laughs> steal your soul. <laughs> and so I'm like, I have to I have to create more space. And it's been such a blessing because it's it really shifted things for me just by me consciously doing that. I, it even made me not turn the TV on as much, you know, where I'm just allowing myself to be okay in the silence, allowing my thoughts, my emotions to come forward, not responding or reacting to somebody else's thoughts or stories or emotions. Which social allowed... media is teaching us to all do, really. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. instead of focusing on ourselves, it's like we got to focus on everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I, the other thing, you know, you asked for a couple, I think the other, <laughs> the other thing I would suggest is look for patterns, look for really subtle patterns. And some, well, some of them are more obvious. The words feng shui literally means wind and water. Water we can see, right? We, we see it on the news. We see when it's breaching the threshold of your home and it's flooding your basement. We see when it's crashing, you know, the the beach. We see when it's dried up and it's non-existent. But wind, we don't see. 
we see the results of wind. We don't know it's windy until we see the trees blowing or the roof coming off. So feng shui is about the seen energy, like the clutter, and the unseen energy, which is the subtleness. I used to teach for um, Slick for the interior design department. I taught feng shui for four years. And that was one of the first things I always told the students after they'd introduced themselves. And I said, it doesn't matter how much money your client spends or how beautiful their space is that you've created for them. If they can't sleep all night long in that bedroom, or if that child's failing school or they always argue in the kitchen, you haven't served them. So look for the subtle energies. And a lot of times they'll show up in patterns. Like, do you always end up standing and arguing with everybody in the kitchen? Is there always like, every time you put a pot of flowers outside here on this corner of your patio, does it always die? There's something going on that needs your attention. So pay attention, be more aware of your life and what's going on around you. you Interesting. I think we all can... We all could take those words in. I mean, we're all struggling with something and we all have something to, uh, you know, energy to get rid of or people to get rid of toxic people in our lives or, or, you know, we all hold on. We, you know, society teaches us, hold on to, you know, consume, 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 hold on to all this Mm -hmm. stuff. The more stuff you own, the better. And it's like, well, no, not necessarily. So, yeah, um, very interesting. But uh, there's a, uh, a few Salt Lake City questions I got to ask you, I, I, okay. you know, uh, on the podcast here as we kind of shift a little bit. I know we just kind of, you know, uh, skim the surface with, with feng shui, but, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to bring you back through and, and get in more in depth. But I got to ask these Salt Lake City questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we have family and friends that visit us from time to time. And I ask these questions to everybody, Tina, so I'm always curious what people say. But we have family and friends that visit us. They come into town people are always so intrigued by Utah, right? They're like, give me mm-hmm. a tour, show me around. These mountains are beautiful, but I want to see what some of your favorite places are. Where, where do you take people to? I mean, I've, some people say like the great salt Lake or park city or downtown. Do you have like one or two favorite places you like to take people? Uh, you know, I love the canyons, uh-huh. you know, I live on the West side of the Valley, so okay. I don't get over there as much as I want to, uh-huh. but I just love Little Cottonwood Canyon, Big Cottonwood Canyon. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. Um, I'm not a huge hiker, so I love that there's hikes that I can do, whether it's Secret Lake or Silver Lake. Um, even you know, even Sundance. I just love going to Sundance because it's it's beautiful. It's not too far of a drive up into the the mountains and out of the city. Um, and the, the food is amazing. And just to be able to walk around on the grounds, it just feels really sacred there to me. And you feel like you're on vacation a little bit too, when you get out of the city, you know, you're like, Oh, wait a minute, I'm not that far from the city, but I feel like I'm in a different world. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I don't know if you're just asking, are you just asking about Salt Lake city? Well, the area, you know, that's when, when I, when I incorporated this question into the podcast, you know, um, you know, we always can, uh, you know, when I say Salt Lake City, the whole valley, the whole area, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I say even Park City or shoot, I've had people even say Moab, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it. we had lived here for maybe 10 years before we even made it out of the valley, before we even got to Moab. Um, but yeah, I just, I we're so intrigued by the mountains. We moved out here from the Midwest, the upper Midwest. And every day we wake up looking at those mountains just feeling like we're on vacation 
It's yeah. such a clean city. The streets are nice and wide compared to downtown Minneapolis, St. Paul, where we were living at the time. Oh, well, and, I got family in Minnesota there. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah, I went to art school there in Minneapolis. In Minnesota. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's awesome. What about favorite local eating spots? Do you have like one or two favorite places that you just love? We love Slackwater. Yeah. Down in Sandy. We love that for sure. Um, it's It can be challenging. My husband and I, we usually have lunch together every Friday. We've been doing this for years. It's kind of like our date thing. And he could eat at the same place. He loves Slim Chicken's macaroni and cheese. And that's out in Harriman. Um, but I love to eat at a different place all the time. And there's one place that I want to totally boost and I haven't even been there yet because it's brand new, but I know, I know some of their other food and it's sweet hazel Hmm. and company. It's, it's a vegan bistro and bake shop and candies and they have the best vegan food. Um, it's just kind of um, awesome that they now have a full blown restaurant. And they're just in Midvale off 72nd South, just east of the freeway. I'll have to bring them on the podcast. Oh, for sure. They're super fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would you change about Salt Lake City or the Valley or the area? Like if you could, like, I know it's a, that's a big question, but however Mm -hmm. you want to interpret that. Oh my gosh. I, the only thing I wish is that there was more East West high you know access like a freeway yeah i'm with you on that one uh-huh. it's just uh-huh. you know i'm off on bangator highway and yeah. it's just a you know it takes that you always got to put in that extra 10 15 minutes to get anywhere just because you're heading east yeah and i think that's the main thing that i would change i i don't have any complaints i love it here it's yeah there's some things that are silly or whatever but you kind of learn to adjust to all of the silly stuff, you know, in any, in mm-hmm. any state you move to, it's going to have silly stuff. Mm-hmm. Really? No, you know, Utah just gets a bad rap because of Utah, I think. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we were lucky, I think, to get the Olympics here. Cause I don't think many, I mean, we weren't even really aware of it, you know, before moving out here, we just happened through here on our way to Jackson hole for a family reunion you know, in 1995. And that's kind of like, whoa, I'm going to apply for some jobs, you know, before we catch the flight. And I got offered a job at an ad agency. And so we went home and packed. (laughs) How can listeners get a hold of you as we kind of wrap this episode up? I know we just, you know, skim the surface and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just kind of let, I like to let my listeners find out a little bit about you. And then if they want to learn more, uh, they can go to your websites or social media and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where would they go, uh, to get a hold of you or to, to hire you even? Thank you for asking. Um, my, my business name is Via Feng Shui. So it's V I A and Feng Shui is spelled F E N G S H U I. Um, so you could look that up on Instagram. Um, I, and Facebook doesn't seem to be that active these days as, as, as far as doing business there. Um, but it's definitely Instagram. However, my website is fengshuivia.me. And so there's a lot of stuff on my, my website. And I also have a YouTube channel. And I have a lot of videos that can just get you started. I just 
released a series at the beginning of the week. It's so fun. I've always wanted to do it. I am, it's all for teachers. So if you're teaching kindergarten through sixth grade, go to my YouTube channel. It's just Tina Falk, F-A-L-K. And I did a did like a three-minute video for you to know what zodiac animals of your children in your classroom this year that you get to deal with. <laughs> do you have monkeys in your classroom or do you have sheep in your classroom or dragons? It's all different. And so it's just a fun little insightful way for, for teachers to go, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> Very cool. And I'll, I'll put your website and all that too at IamSaltLake.com uh, with this episode notes. So if, oh, if somebody's you. driving or something like that and they want to refer to it later, they'll they'll be able to go. And this will be uh, episode 561 so people can refer to, to that. Um, well, it's been fun chatting with you today, Tina. I, I've, I've learned so much. I mean, a lot more than I even anticipated. That's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast in and bringing all these unique people on that do different things. It's like, wow, I've learned so much today. So I appreciate it. Anything, anything Mm -hmm. before, uh, before we completely wrap this up, I mean, was there anything that you were hoping we would talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? No, but I would love to add, you know, part of understanding what's happening in the world is we can pull a Chinese astrology chart for the annual year, you know, like what's going on. This is a tiger year. It's intense. And you know how I said there's four animals in your chart? In 2022, on February 4th, which is the Chinese New Year, there was three tigers in the chart. That's a really intense year, and that's why we're going through what we're going through. Tiger is a symbol of power and authority. It's very territorial. It's also the symbol of war. Oftentimes, we're at war with ourselves. We're at war with our neighbor. We're taking it out on each other. And countries are breaching boundaries and wanting to take territories. And when we know that that kind of stuff is happening, not that it changes our experience, but we can respond or react to the experience differently because it's, we know it's just a transition, that the energy is going to change. Next year's animal is going to be different. The elements are going to shift. There's a lot of water and wood in this year's chart. That's why we're seeing the storms like we are. It's That's why I say look for patterns. That's what I do as an astrologer, as I look for patterns that go far back in history to see why we're at where we're at in reflection with the chart. So hang in there. The tiger is teaching us to be decisive. I have not met more people, clients, students this year that are going through a divorce whether it's with a partner or a job or the church or something, people are making final decisions because the decisions we make this year will we'll be holding on to them for the rest of our life. And if we don't make the decision, then we're going to be stuck. All right. Many, many thanks to Tina Folk for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All of the links uh, to get a hold of her are going to be on the website, like I mentioned, IamSaltLake.com slash 561. That's for episode 561. Head on over to the website, uh, connect with her, send her an email, send her a message on Instagram, let her know you heard the podcast. But better yet, when you're on the website, just share that link 
uh, with your family and friends on social media or send them a text. Uh, that's the only way to grow the show, you guys. So share your favorite episodes and let's get this audience a little bit bigger. And if you're interested in coming on the podcast, if you have a story that you want to share, if you want to talk about your business, whatever it is, get a hold of me. My cell phone number is 801-244-2908. Send me a text. Give me a call. I'd love to chat with you about your project. Uh, or if you just have any feedback about the podcast, I love to hear from listeners of the show. So I'm here every week with a brand new episode, you guys. So make sure you're subscribed in whatever outlet you listen to podcasts in. And uh, I'll see you on the next episode. You guys have a good night. Bye now.